Hey, everyone. Welcome to the New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. This is a special podcast movement virtual new media show. Two hours. I know. That's a huge block for us. That's even a lot for us. (laughs) And, and you know, before we introduce our guest, Rob, you actually prepared for the show. I did. I did to some degree. It's probably over-prepared. I think this is this is like on, on what I did with my radio show in the past. If that, you know, our guests will were kind of blown away by it, but it was just it's a lot of stuff, and we're probably not going to stick to it entirely. It's just an yeah. outline for me to think about stuff. But I think there's a lot of interesting topics that we're going to talk about on the show today, and we got uh, two drif- terrific guests. We got Brian Barletta, who has recently launched a uh, a newsletter uh, working with uh, James Cridlin, who's also here. Also from Pod News, and uh, Brian does a, a newsletter called Sounds Profitable at soundsprofitable.com. And uh, his goal is to provide in-depth um, ad tech um, to to readers and listeners, so people have a better understanding of uh, what's going on on the technology side. And he started his career in mobile technology uh, back in 2008, and in 2018 he was one of the first employees at the attribution company. Barometric that was acquired by Claritas. Yeah, yep. Claritas. There you yep. go. <laughs> and then also worked as a senior product manager, uh, data and monetization at Megaphone. So Brian, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's very exciting. We we launched Sounds Profitable. James has given me space under the Pod News umbrella uh, to to start a weekly newsletter, uh, and I thought it would be you know, really fun. And it's, it's been very rewarding so far. Lots of people subscribing, uh, and a lot of great conversations. Yeah. Well, that's, I guess that's what you're trying to do there. And then, then we have Mr. James Cridlin, which doesn't need too much of an introduction. I think most people in the podcasting industry knows who you are, James, but, uh, you know, he is the editor and founder of uh, podnews.net that, uh, most people in the podcasting space subscribe to and read every day or five days a week anyway. So, James, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, great to be here. And I'm, and I'm here on an uh, Australian morning where I have no power at all. So if I, if I um, d- go away halfway through this, then you'll know that my Mac battery hasn't managed to uh, keep up with it. Right. You know, and your dogs are still powered, it sounds like. Yeah, um, by the sounds of it. <laughs> so of all days to be uh, on a live event and then having them had pre-scheduled power outages. So, uh, hey, guess what? This is uh, this is what podcasting is all about. Hey, do want to mention before we get going, even though we got two great esteemed guests, uh, Rob did do a considerable amount of reach out and we were trying to fill in an additional spot uh, to, on the ep- well, on the show tonight. Uh, to add some diversity and also bring in some additional folks from uh, from the industry and either conflicts, time of the event, right. or maybe too scared to be on the show. <laughs> I don't know. But it have uh, been the topics. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I want to thank um, Dan Dan Franks and Podcast Movement uh, Virtual for for having us uh, as part of their their event. Uh, this. Uh, virtual world that we're living in more and more. Um, you know, Todd and I are doing a doing a lot of virtual stuff. We would rather be there in person on stage at Podcast Movement, which is what we've been doing over the past few years. So um, we've kind of taken a new direction here, and and hopefully we'll get back on stage um, soon. So, but uh, let's go ahead and just kind of jump in and start talking, guys. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, where we are right now in the podcasting space. And, and one of the reasons I want to talk about this at a higher level is, you know, talk a little bit about the, the past and maybe the present a little bit around podcast monetization. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that people can make money in this medium. Um, and, and I think we do tend to focus a, a, a large degree on the advertising side. And I just wanted to talk, talk a little bit about that and see what both of you guys think. And Todd, I mean, obviously you jump in here too, but you know, around where we are with like donations, premium, freemium models. Um, we're hearing a lot of stuff around um, freemium could be an important element uh, going into the future a little bit. You know, you can talk about Patreon, um, but talk a little bit about the, the history and the, the culture of monetization around podcasts. And then we'll, we, we can dive into some, some, uh, some recent news that we heard actually from uh, Mr. Tom Webster from the Edison folks about um, some new data that came out. But I don't, um, James, did you want to start off a, l- a little bit with this around the, the tug of war that we have in the industry around monetization or non-monetization? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they they say that uh, I think Podcorn say that eighty five percent of podcasts don't make any money. Um, now that uh, to me is is fine. It's seen by some as a weakness, but that to me is, seems fine to me. Mm-hmm. If you are producing a podcast, you may not want to make any money out of it. You may want to do other things. Um, uh, you may want to get your messages out there. You may want to brand yourself. Um, as a um, you know, uh, as uh, as somebody that knows a thing or two, you might just want to get some ideas and um, and thoughts out there. So I don't necessarily think that that's a particular issue. But having said that, there's a bunch of different ways of earning revenue from um, podcasting. I was uh, judging for the Australian Podcast Awards last week, and one of the uh, entrants—I can't tell you who they were. One of the entrants was very excited about um, saying how much Patreon support they have. They have $30,000 worth of Patreon support every month. Now, that may be Australian dollars, in which case it's about $2.50. I'm joking. It's about um, $20,000. But even so, $20,000 is still an awful lot. Uh, uh, of income. And I would be very happy for that for pod news. I'm sure that Brian would be very happy for that <laughs> yeah. for sounds profitable. Um, but you know, so there's page, there's things like, like uh, Patreon and those sort of crowdfunded things. There's, um, there's uh, merch and live shows and all of that kind of stuff that a lot of great podcasters do really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, um, there's actual advertising on people's uh, shows, whether that's a host read ad, whether that's um, a more traditional 30-second um, uh, radio spot of somebody shouting at you. Um about something that you ought to go out and buy. Uh, and then there's what Brian starts uh, talking about, which is very much around um, around dynamic ad insertion, around uh, mm-hmm. targeting, uh, around all of that sort of stuff, which is actually really interesting and really exciting for the medium. Um, but it does, of course, come with um, some privacy concerns, uh, according to some people. It comes with some uh, issues around being, uh, in inverted commas, tracked. Uh, and the only thing that I would say about that is I live here here in Australia. It's lovely to be told that I need to have a Capital One credit card in my, in my wallet. <laughs> um, 
but I can't get one even if I wanted to because Capital One isn't here. And similarly, I can't get your weird um, home food blue apron or whatever it is. Um, all of that stuff is just a waste. It's a waste of my time. It's a waste of their money. Um, mm. And so any way of at least targeting things to a, um, you know, to a country is a, is a good thing, I think. Yeah, I think that the the advertising industry and Brian, you know, I, I want you to jump in on this too. It's it's getting very complicated, right? Um, and what's happening in the medium, as we look at privacy and we look at technology, we look at uh, you know methodology of advertising. I mean, why don't you set the table a little bit about how you look at advertising um, as it as it relates to technology? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, as a personal listener, like I'm a big fan of things like the freemium Patreon model um, mm -hmm. and donations. There are a few podcasts I've listened to in the past where I've participated in that. I, I, in general, like Patreon. So I think figuring out ways to monetize what's unique to you and your audience is really important. Mm -hmm. um, but the ad tech side of it and the you know dynamic ad insertion, even host read, uh, and eventually some of the programmatic executions are all where larger advertisers are coming in, right? They can't really help you with Patreon or donations. They don't get any benefit out of that. So right. they fit into the area that I like talking about um, and that I've spent a, a long time in and, and weirdly enjoy it because I think that it's a lot of what can we do with the information we have? Uh, and I think the biggest thing in podcasting is we have so little information to work with and everybody is trying their best to first gather it correctly, which I think we're not quite there yet. We're not all gathering it the right way or representing it the right way and then do more with it, which does, like James mentioned, get into some privacy concerns. Um, but there's varying levels, whether it's you know legal or ethical or how does it compare to another area? That's That's the whole difference. But there's... I think there's so much growth in ad tech and podcasting, and uh, I don't think I get to say it enough. I actually think that like host red and something that's going to clearly exist between host red and announcer red is going to be what prevails, uh, because I don't think that radio ads fit well here. Uh, I, I listened to a podcast that a friend recommended today for the first time, and without like it felt like the the uh, host didn't even skip a beat, and then all of a sudden there was a like a host red ad or sorry, a uh, announcer red ad immediately inserted into it abruptly. And I stopped listening for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And know, I think, I think that's going to happen a lot. I think we're going to see some of those big trackers, right? Everybody on Triton and pod track and things like that. I think we're going to see some big companies slide when they go heavy into uh dynamic ad or sorry, open marketplace programmatic. Well, you know, I, I kind of look at this from a historic standpoint, you know, you know, Rob and I have a unique perspective and we've been here from the beginning and that 85% of podcasters that are not monetizing, that is no surprise. And I would almost bet that about 60% of those 85% probably never want to monetize, at least in a traditional model where they have a, an advertiser where they're doing host endorsed or whatever. Now, that said, there is a huge divide in the haves and the haves nots. And for many, many years, more years than I even care to even talk about, we have left a large majority of those that really deserve some monetization out of the loop and left behind. But at the same point, 
Um, as I tell podcasters, you know, if, if you, if we get to the point where this programmatic is going to be coming on, you don't get a choice hardly anymore. You're, you're going to have to almost take what they give you. And I, and I don't think a lot of podcasters are going to, to opt into that because their brand is still important more than maybe the 30, a hundred or $200 a month, or maybe $500 a month that they make from their shows. I've always said, when we started doing advertising, some people got take their partner to dinner money. Some got car money, car payment money. Some people got house payment money and some people got life-changing full-time podcasting money. And, and that really is still the case today, but it kind of brings up these big ad tech players coming in. I, I have significant concerns about listener privacy and it really, um, it's kind of scary. Uh, you know, Brian, I know that you've been following a little bit about this. You know, there's attribution that's happening, right? There's attribution offerings right now where there's, there's tracking being done against listeners and then potentially remarketed to through the other chains of, of, of the internet. Up to this point, the podcasting space has been kind of exempt from that type of retargeting. But we all agree when we go to Amazon and when we go on a variety of sites, we have already opted in as, as users to allow that tracking through terms of services. But listeners don't have a way to opt in here. And as this ad tech gets more sophisticated and there starts to be more tracking, you know, here's, here's the thing. Do we think listeners even know their personal info is being shared? Or do they, maybe they automatically assume it because of the place we live today. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm a bit, you know, both Libsyn and Blueberry have been big advocates of listener privacy. And as the ad tech comes in and gets more deep into our knickers, well, I, I, I just, I worry about our listeners. Yeah. And I, I think you have a valid concern. I think that there needs to be more done in privacy. Um, I, I like first to set the stage for this conversation, we're going to assume that under legal regulation like CCPA and GDPR, mm -hmm. IP is considered PII on its own. I've talked to so many people and 90% of them say the argument is pretty close. 10% of it say, well, but don't quote me. Yeah. Uh, so we're just going to say that it is. Yeah. The, the first shortcoming really is, Todd, that like I'm in Texas and if I go to a website and I opt out of their cookie policy, Right, which they have to do everywhere now. Right. They still get my IP, user agent, and the content I'm on. If I, when iOS 14 finally rolls out this feature and I opt out in an app to give them my mobile ad ID, they still get my IP, user agent, and what app I'm on. That data, at the minimum, the dregs of what you can do in other mediums, is the maximum that we get. And so the first thing I want to say there is that in comparison on privacy, our biggest privacy threat is the type of thing that other platforms in ad tech ignore. That doesn't trivialize it for us, but it but it's just to show the scope. Right. Let's, uh, Tom just mentioned in the chat room so many acronyms, so let's be careful on the acronyms because we've got a whole level of podcasters here that may not fully understand right. CCPA, GDPR, and all that stuff. So um, as we go through tonight, let's try to be careful of that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I think that the the acronym that you said was more about 
the the IP is considered personally identifiable that, information. Yeah, my yeah, bad. Right, right. <laughs> I think that's that's the one that probably a lot of people don't 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 know about. But uh, but yeah, yeah. Before we jump too deep into that, which I wanted to do a little bit later in the the, the program, I wanted to talk about Tom Webster's research that he uh, put out um, just uh, yesterday in his presentation at Podcast Movement, and it was around. Um, he's showing data that's showing uh, search is now the, the the number one podcast discovery method, um, and word of mouth is number two, and social media is number three. And I thought that that was an interesting uh, shift. Now, I think Todd and I have been talking about this show for many years about how important search is in podcast discovery, but I've yet to see it show up at the top of the list uh, in any research. So. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, is that a big I, shift? I think, I think that's great news. And and by the way, Rob Walsh from Libsyn also announced yesterday that Google Podcast is now the number three podcast app. So mm-hmm. now it goes Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, albeit Google Podcasts is five times smaller than uh, Spotify. That's right. still a tremendous move. Um, right. And I think, you know, again, that comes back um, to uh, search um, because, you know, Google uh, last year put uh, podcasts into the main search. It's not in a little, you know, ghetto that you have to press a podcasts button for. It's in the main search where they do 1.5 billion searches every day. Um, And that's great because that does actually mean that podcasting is reaching a whole bunch of people. They might not use Google podcasts to listen. But it does mean that uh, podcasting is reaching a whole bunch of people that have just uh, typed in a search term, uh, uh, you know, in there. So that to me is very exciting. And the fact that um, Tom Webster, um, Tom Webster's research, Edison Research has backed that up. The fact that we're now seeing, you know, Google Podcasts doing really well. um, And also the fact that people are beginning to take search engine optimization seriously, you know, as well. I think gone are the days for most podcasts where you bung half a sentence into the um, into your description and you reckon that that's probably okay. Um, actually, your description is really important. Your show mm-hmm. notes are super important. And with the new podcast index transcripts tag, it will enable uh, uh, in time people like Google um, to be able to go and grab all of the transcripts as well for your show so that it knows exactly what you're what you're talking about which is you know really good i i should also um say that there's a really interesting um i think it's um i think it's adswids doing it or it may be Acast. either one of those are now going to shout at me but there's one of those two companies who are now allowing you to target your advertising if you're a big you know if you're mcdonald's and you just want to be advertising on podcasts you can now target your advertising based on the keywords that are said in that podcast. Um, and that, again, is a tremendous step forward. It's much like Google AdSense for podcasting. Um, and I think, you know, that sort of targeting where you're actually allowing people to um, uh, to target against what a podcaster is talking about um, should hopefully make the ads better, should make the ads more relevant. Um, and that's a great step forward as well. And all of that is tied in with uh, search. So if I say I love Red Bull five times, I've been trying to get Red Bull as a sponsor of my show for 14 years. 
I think that's a way to get Magellan to notice it. Um, but, but, uh, it's AdsWiz uh, that has that feature and it's powered by, uh, Oracle, I believe. Um, Thank you, Brian. Yeah. (laughs) My wheelhouse. What can I say? Uh, but that I, I, like, I, I think that that's, that's super interesting. I think that the transcription is, is a, is a big part of it. I'm, I'm interested to like, I, I unfortunately did miss the event, um, yesterday, but I, I am really interested to see how beneficial transcription is for, for this type of stuff. I think that when we look at the data that we have about a podcast and what we can do with it, yeah, we get IP and user agent from the request, but we also have the whole show, like the hosts own the file. Let's dig into that. Let's transcribe it. Let's contextualize it, right? The difference between like sex as an action and sex as like male or female, right? Like there's, there's a big difference in how you're you're going to identify and contextualize what each sentence is, what each word is, and uh, and and how what like what that means for finding a new podcast, advertising on that podcast. So I think the more data you get about your show, the more written words you have available. That's that's only going to propel discovery. You know, in in for me, you know, having started my show when I already had a blog, I understood the value of a good, a good title. I understood the value of a good description. I had, you know, all that stuff I already knew before, even though I was a horrible blogger, it, it really kind of, you know, this was in 2004, you know, and I already knew the value of, of the search engines and the search engines have only gotten better. And it, it, it goes back to now, maybe this trend will change. We'll, we'll watch what Tom says in, in later months or years. But I truly believe that Google's 800-pound gorilla, they're coming in the space. They're starting to understand podcasts a lot better. They're doing their own transcripts internally. Um, some of the initiatives that are being worked on by some of us right now to try to get a, an official tag for transcripts so that they can be put in the RSS feed and then be able at least to have be um, uh, not only for the folks that are for ADA, uh, but also for to trigger Google. But I've always said that transcripts are largely worthless when they're just raw. They they have to be contextual, and if they're well, not contextual, in other they need words, to be accurate too. Tom um, said, Susie said, Johnny said, you know, this back and forth. If it's just one long run-on sentence, you just throw that in the trash. That's worthless mm-hmm. because. You know, it maybe it gives some values for someone that wants to read it, they can't read or can't uh, see it, and they want JAWS to go through it. That's, you know, maybe that's okay. But still, I think the better the transcripts get, the, the more it's going to help the space. You know, I talked with Google about this a lot more than a year and a half ago, and they wouldn't show their cards. They went to, I said, how much, how important will transcripts be? Well, now they've already, it's very indicative that they're already triggering search results based upon transcriptional data that they've collected. I've seen this show search a certain term and we show up as the number one search result because it's something we talked about in the show that wasn't in the show notes. So they're going to get it one way or the other and search is going to be king. And I've talked about this strategy of building your own website, having your own.com. You know, there's, there's a whole, if you watch this, for those of you that never watched or listened to this show, Rob and I have always said that you can get a PhD in podcasting and we just go back and listen to the beginning and we cover a lot of ground on this show when we do it. So 
a lot of this stuff is for our regular listeners. They've already heard it again and again and again and again. But for those of you who knew, you know, this having good con- context with each episode is is critical. Yeah. And also the transcripts need to be accurate too. And, and um, I've been looking a lot of transcription companies over the last uh, year or so um, and trying to find the best ones. And there are a lot of them out there right now that are, that are working at this and trying to get better and better and better at it. There's a lot of technical obstacles that have to be gotten over. Uh, I think the best I've seen is about 97%, uh, which is pretty darn high. Um, but that still leaves, you know, that 3% that, that we haven't got to yet, um, that I don't know if we'll ever get much beyond 97%. Um, you know, you start looking at accents and you start looking at different languages and it, you know, it becomes a very complex issue and different dialects and things like that. And so we're, we're at the very beginning stages of this. And, but I do know that most of the big platforms are looking at pulling transcripts. So all the big, I mean, most of the big listening platforms. And so this is a direction that will help with context. And I, I agree with everybody here that that if we can get deeper into context, that's going to help search results and just propel this thing forward. And that could be why we're starting to see search start to show up. I So I think that honestly, every partner, every major player in the uh, in the podcast player or podcatcher space is actually already downloading and transcribing everything. Right. Because you got Google, Apple, and Amazon. Uh, Google and Apple, it's already been proven they can do it. Amazon, you can pay for their services to do it as well as Google. Um, and uh, I, I kind of dug into this uh, by accident, but Spotify didn't really announce this, but there was a post by a developer that you can search by song lyrics. And I, I contacted my brother uh, uh, who who runs an agency and he, um, a music agency, and he's uploaded his band's music on there before. And I said, do you upload the lyrics? And he said, no. And so we searched some obscure band that he represented by the lyrics and it showed up. So if they're doing that for music and they're already cashing podcasts, everybody's doing it. And so the the real power is figuring out how the hosts do it, making sure the hosts and the publishers have access to it because everybody else is going to use it like internally, you need to have it yourself too for as a tool, as a host and a publisher. Right. There's a question. What are the suggestions for best transcription service as far as value pricing goes? Well, some of them are free. Audio burst is free. Right. Um, Just sign up for their service and they'll provide you a raw transcript uh, immediately following your show. And then there's a bunch of others that are paid and it runs the full gambit on pricing. So you know, all you really need to do is just search for podcast transcription and you're probably going to get 10 results. So well, that, and plus the pricing is going to be based on how accurate you yeah. want it. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, to some, some degree, the pricing will take you down uh, a path to like maybe 89 or 90%, but then you'll have to pay for human um, editing um, after that, which is going to be a lot more expensive. Um, what but- I think is kind of neat is there's a, there's an audio editing tool called Descript yeah. that, uh, that turn, yeah, I mean, it does have a cost to it. It definitely right. does. But I, I think what it's neat about it is that as you're editing the podcast, you're seeing the text version and you can edit by the right. text. So it gives right. you the ability to take that 90-ish percent transcription, clean it up as you're editing the podcast, and then you get the best of both worlds. For someone like myself who is just getting into building their own podcast, 
I, that tool is really useful. I don't have any audio, audio editing experience, and now I kill two birds with one stone. Just, just for the record, between this show and my other show, 1,800 episodes, not a single one of them has been edited. So we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but actually now, if you want to go down this rabbit hole further, the, the ability to edit the audio by editing the transcript is also starting to be possible too. So you start thinking about the, the implications of that and actually adding words um, to your transcript that then adds it to your audio is something that people are working on as well. So it's going the going the full spectrum here. Yeah, yeah then, you're right. But I, I you know, yeah. I think when when you when you bring it back, this this very this conversation very much reminds me of the launch of Google AdSense about 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, right. and, and the way that Google AdSense works is it looks at a page and it works out what the, the right advert to be on that page is. So mm -hmm. if you're talking about motorcycle maintenance, then you will have um, an ad in there about motorcycles. Um, and that uh, and that was really interesting when it first came out because actually lots of bloggers, lots of people who were writing content were there trying to help Google understand what that page was all about. Um, and we're we're at that point now, um, or we will be at that point soon in terms of podcasting, where you know there are already these types of services that you can turn on, um, which um, supplies you with some. Um, albeit quite cheap advertising um, into your podcast um, based on what you're actually talking about. Um, my suspicion is that that's going to be the low end. That's going to be the low amount of money that's uh, that's uh, out there. And and obviously the more uh, the more um, uh, bespoke, the more targeted your podcast is, then the better it's going to be to actually go and talk to sponsors directly. Yeah. And uh, we got a post from uh, Zach David who wrote in here, yes, I use Timmy, which is another platform that you can use to get some great uh, transcripts as well. You know, he finds it a good value and the accuracy uh, is pretty good. Yeah, I would say Timmy is one of the better ones on the platform that allows you to do some, you know, some editing and things like that too. So I'm a personal fan of rev.com. Tom is. Uh -huh. Yeah. But Anyway, trans yeah. we talked a lot about transcripts. Let's move on. Yeah, let's do that. Um, it, one of the other big things that came out of the Tom's presentation yesterday too was his comment about uh, the the death of the, the intimacy of podcasting, which I thought was a little bit mm, not exactly how I'm looking at the space, but but I think that uh, his point was is that uh, the research was showing that about 58 percent of podcast listeners share listening to podcasts with another person, which I thought was an interesting angle of this. I still believe that podcasting is an intimate medium, but it, it sounds like it's um, being shared more so than what we, I, I think, had thought about the medium uh, up to this point. I don't know. What do you guys think about that 58% number? Do you, do you think that's, that's real? And what's the implication for the podcasting space that this is actually a group listening medium now? I mean, I, I, I think it's. I think it's probably. It's probably. Um, you know, it's. It's interesting. I. I see numbers coming out of the UK of around ninety percent, coming out of Australia around eighty-five percent. So to see something which is quite different uh, in terms of the Edison research numbers, um, is always interesting because it does point to. Uh, there being either different behavior in different parts of the world or different questions being asked. Um, but certainly, you know, you, you can see that podcasting 
Um, I mean, I think the word intimate is used in two different ways. Firstly, it's used in terms of the kind of relationships that we have with our favorite podcasters mm -hmm. and the way that we, um, you know, which is actually very similar to the type of relationships that we have with our favorite radio broadcasters as well. Mm -hmm. um, but then you've got the other, the sort of the more mechanical thing of, uh, are people sharing my headphones? Are people, uh, you know, is my smart speaker in a room where other people can have a listen to it, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, so I think, um, you know, so I think that there are different conversations going on there. Um, I mean, you know, to Tom made a, 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 a in the in the five minutes that I was able to watch because I was busy doing something straight after Tom's um, uh, speech. Um, but uh, Tom made a number of great points, um, you know, about uh, the intimacy of the medium, but also about uh, things like um, uh, um, uh, photographs um, and just those stock photographs that you see all the time of that. That boy shouting into a microphone that isn't even plugged in, uh, all that kind of stuff. So I think, um, you know, I think he made some great points, um, some, some great points there. He I, is, uh, by, by the way, he is sitting in a hotel room. He's booked a hotel room, especially for the, for the podcast movement experience. <laughs> <laughs> and he's sitting in a quiet room, That's awesome. That's typing awesome. away, which is, I, which is the right way of doing things. So the, the elephant in the room question is, that, does this make um, the, the possibility that the smart uh, speaker platforms will actually start to grow in, um, in, in podcast listening? I no. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, anecdotally, uh, I either am deaf or, uh, like, I, I don't know if I'm alone on this. I can't listen to podcasts on my smart speaker. I can't listen to them in my car stereo. What, however they're mixed, whatever the equipment I have, I just can't hear all the words. I can't make out what they're talking about. And then worse than that is I do find it like personally to be a, an intimate experience and like I, if my wife's there who we listen to the same podcast, I'd rather listen to it and talk to her about it than listen to it together. So it's so interesting to see that that's changing because I have yet to be like, yeah, let's just sit and put on a podcast. Let's, let's drive and put on a podcast. Um, it just doesn't work that way for us. It, it, it may be socially intimate where people are talking about it, but if you, I, I, I really still think, you know, in the way I approach not necessarily this show because we're doing a group discussion, but we also know that right now one person is, you know, well, maybe two days, three days from now, when we put this out as a podcast, one person is listening to this and we have to remember we're talking to them, that person. And I do that every time I have a little right. sticker on my other computer that you're talking to the person next to you. You know, right. when I'm doing my show, that's the intimacy of this medium. So if we're talking socially about the stuff afterwards and we're having conversations about shows like we should and there's mm -hmm. social stuff that's happening, that's where I think the group intimacy comes. But you have to have a pretty big show to scale or you have to have already set up some mechanism for your audience to be able to co collaborate either in a page or group or uh, discord or wherever it may be, you got to have a place for them to congregate. You know, my audience, they're, they're on discord, they're on Slack, they're on Mastodon, they're, you know, they're on email, they're all over the place. So they're not all talking to one another. Yeah. And I'm not sure that it's entirely about, uh, you know, about that, Todd, but, but it does seem like um, the concept of, of people listening together 
means that those two people have a common interest in whatever podcast that is. And I think that's, that's what we've, um, I, I guess, had a, had a struggle with is, is Todd, I mean, cause you, you've been saying for, for years that when you're in the car with your, your kids, they all want to listen to something different. Right. Um, so you start thinking about that's the premise that we've been going under all these years is, is that everybody has their own interests, right? Very few have, um, an interest to listen um, to a podcast like we watch television. I, I think television tends to be more of a group participation because there's a group interest, right? I, but I, I guess think. maybe we've reached a scale point with some programs that there is group interest now. I can listen to a music program while I work. I can't right. listen to a podcast because all of a sudden I'm like, and my fingers have stopped. <laughs> you just start, or you start <laughs> typing what they're saying in the right, podcast. right, right. You know, and you, and you read what you right. just typed. You're like, oh my god, what is that? Uh, you know, what is that? You know, what? Delete, 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 delete. You know, <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. So anyway, does anybody have, have any other comments on that? On the, I think I think, I think uh, the, like the Alexa and the Google Home devices. I think the smart speakers are really neat. And I think that they're going to do something cool for audio, uh, and and maybe it's going to feel something like podcasts. Um, but I I just I don't know. I I don't I haven't heard a lot of appeal for it. I've heard a lot of people ask if they can target it, and then not follow through with campaigns. But I've also seen some amazing things from companies that can build apps that are just available by you saying, you know, like Alexa, tell me more about X Y Z while you're listening to the podcast. So there's there's a lot of tech options and cool things there. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I tell it to turn off my lights. I tell it to play music for my two-year-old. Uh, I'm excited to use it for more than that in the future. <laughs> and, and, I, and I will throw out something here, and this is completely non-related, but it triggered me when I was talking about smart home devices. I saw an email from someone <laughs> and that made an announcement about something that I didn't have any idea was coming, but unfortunately I'm under NDA with that company and I can't say what's coming, but I will say that we haven't heard the last of a certain company in regards to podcasting. Is that a <laughs> Thanks, this is, this is the, this is the sort of stuff that keeps me listening to the new media show <laughs> because it's, yeah. it's stuff like that where you have no idea what Todd has just said, but there's probably a really good story there. But I, but I gave you a hint that it's, because I it was related to smart home devices, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and but I think something to do with a freemium model. I think something, something like about that. someone buying some domains. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> there we go. But so, uh, so, we go. now so we all know what you're talking about. Right. Now you're exactly. What was this NDA that you're under? <laughs> <laughs> but I have revealed nothing. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Hey, let's, yeah, I'm uh, under one too. That's uh, slightly annoying me as well. Let's move on and talk about another big, big topic. And um, uh, large listening platforms, as we all know, are getting involved in podcasting. And it's getting to a point where it's it, we're, we're getting close to saturation. You know, podcasting is starting to integrate in with uh, most of the of the music streaming platforms on a global scale. I, I think we've pretty much covered everybody in the U.S. and and we're rapidly, you know, approaching um, saturation um, in all these listening global listening platforms. And I, I, I just wanted, you know, first of all, just get your comments on that too. But um, 
have we crossed, you know, once we cross that line, what is next, right? Where, where are we going to go? Is there something new that's going to, that's going to come from the fact that we get saturated there that will um, maybe better compete with these big listening platforms? I mean, is, is niche the next thing? Um, genre-based platforms. I'm just throwing that out, guys. I mean, networks. Yeah. Uh, Brian, do you want to? Uh, I'm going to leave this that? to the, the radio futurologist. Over uh, here. Radio I, I'm the ad guy. I'm the guy who figures <laughs> out what do we got now? I'm going to put, put you on the in? spot, Brian. Uh, okay, James, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, um, uh, we, we have a long way to go in podcasting. Um, and that's a great thing because, you know, at the moment, um, I think Tom's figures are that a third of all Americans are listening to a podcast once a week, something like that. Um, and those are great numbers, but guess what? Nine out of 10 Americans are listening to the radio every single week. Um, Mm -hmm. in the UK, nine out of 10 people are listening to the radio there in France, in Australia, in Germany, nine out of 10 people are listening yet. It's only 20, 25 percent of people are listening to podcasts. So we have a tremendous uh, opportunity to really grow where we are. Mm -hmm. And I think also that that's one thing, which is the amount of people who use something once a week or once a month. The other thing, though, is how long they do it for. And we spend a long, long time listening to other forms of audio. And that was uh, one of the slides that I did manage to catch, mainly because it was sent to me as a press release from um, Tom's uh, talk, um, which was saying that podcasting is now uh, 6% of all audio consumption in the US. 6%, that's all. So actually, we've got so much space to grow um, our industry. Um, so I think any discussion at the moment of, you know, are we, are we reaching a plateau? You know, um, are, podcasters, uh, are podcasts as big as they're ever going to, going to be is, is, I think, you know, very wide of the mark. I think we have some great opportunities coming. And I think, you know, the Amazon um Music. Let's talk about Amazon because we've not mentioned that at all so far. Um, so well, let's they talk are about the, They are one of the most recent uh, music streaming platforms and audiobook publishers the, the, to jump into the medium. Yeah, yeah, they are, and 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 they do really well. But the interesting thing about Amazon is that they um, they're not really in competition with people like Spotify and Apple. They, they uh, and what I mean by that is that they are not um, taking the same audience. And making those people, um, uh, making those people, you know, switch from one platform to the other. What Amazon appears to have done, certainly for streaming music, is find its own new audience and grown the industry. And hopefully, mm-hmm. they'll do that in podcasting as well. They won't do that in podcasting if they're only available in five in five countries. Um, they can't even be bothered to launch here in Australia. But when they have done all of that, and when they have actually, you know, launched a proper um, global platform, um, then that should have a tremendous impact to um, the different types of people, you know, who would listen to a a podcast in a way that, you know, currently people, um, people aren't. So, you know, I I think, you know, Amazon in particular is a really interesting company um, to watch because once they begin to get people using them, um, then that will be a whole new set of people that are brand new to having a listen to a podcast or, or, or any of that. 
No, I I'm I, I talk to a lot of people every week. And matter of fact, I'm as about zoomed out. You know, it's it's really kind of crazy. I'm looking forward to talking to people in person again. But I'm talking to a lot of radio execs from many different countries, not just the United States, Canada, the UK, um, lots of different people in the radio business. And I think where the next growth space is actually uh, the radio folks have kind of read the tea leaves. They're, you know, they're a multi-billion dollar business. Podcasting is not going to kill radio anytime soon, but radio is in a tough spot in many places in the world today because of digital. So they're looking what's next. And so every, almost every call that I've had in the last two months with radio people have been, yes, we're going to do our own in-house content. We're going to do some original content, but we're also going to look to key podcasters that we want to associate with, that we want to bring into the fold that um, as I've been saying for a long time, there's no reason why a tech show can't have a two minute spot on some radio station. And they, it's, it's a it's mutual beneficial. The podcaster gets the exposure, the radio station gets some tech news that maybe they don't have staff for. So I really think where the true growth place is and potential for podcasters to, you know, basically get access to the radio towers while they last. Um, and again, they're not going away anytime soon, but radio's also got a digital footprint as well. And they're promoting heavily on digital. So I, I think there's huge growth potential for shows to get picked up by radio. I, and I, well, with you guys touching on radio and the, the 6%, one thing that's interesting to me is that, you know, the only place like I have that radio is up there for show behind me. Uh, but the radio that I listen to is in the car. Um, and as we start seeing more Apple Play and you know Google Play, like the car or the CarPlay uh, options, right? These interfaces in the car where maybe there's a pop-up and it just says like Apple Music, radio, or podcasts. Maybe we'll see more interaction there. You know, you maybe know, with the more devices, right? I don't need my fridge necessarily to be able to play podcasts just yet, but the more devices that people have access to, that they that that give them the choice of podcasting as well as other media forms. I think that's really how it grows because that 6% is not big. Like James said, and we're all talking about how saturated podcast is, is because we're fighting for the ear space of that 6%. If we 10 X that there's yeah. like, then there's not enough content, right? Like there's, there's a lot more room. As the FM guy said, I need to compete more in the, in the radio space than just playing Cardi B. I have because 10 stations are playing Cardi B. I have to have something. Yeah. I can play Cardi B, but I need something else. And this is the point. And this is the point that actually podcasting, uh, partially because of the licensing uh, arrangements around uh, music, which still aren't there yet, um, podcasting has focused on talk. And as a result, uh, the amount of talk that we listen to is going up. There must be, by the way, a um, there must be a, um, a, a small drinking game every time we mentioned Tom Webster in this podcast. <laughs> Everyone's um, if only we, if only I had a mini bar. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> so well, the amount of, yeah, now there's a thing. Um, yeah. So the amount yeah, he's of, he's not doing uh, any the, social podcast listening, is he? <laughs> <clears throat> so the amount of, um, of, uh, of, you know, podcast listening, um, you know, which is actually, which is actually um, uh, going on is, is all talk. And that's something that radio, 
you know, by and large has been focused on music. You know, most commercial radio, um, uh, certainly outside of the US, is very much focused on just playing 10 great songs in a row. I can get 10 great songs in a row everywhere. And so the, the point and the excitement about podcasting is that, you know, I've now got, I've now got all kinds of other things as well. So, uh, you know, that. Tom says something interesting in chat you guys may have missed. We said 6% isn't big, but he said 6% is big. It's one seventh of radio. So maybe we're thinking about this upside down. Well, yeah, it's a years ago is one portion of the total um, audio consumption by, by people too. And I think that's part of the, the other challenge that podcasting has is how, how, how can we carve into the other listening time or is and how realistic is the, our ability to carve into other types of audio or exclusive um, shows on Spotify. That's how you do that. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then audiobooks. I mean, and you look at like a player like audible, you know, they, they occupy a significant amount of people's time in listening to audio as well. More, more, more use of, uh, of uh, headphones in the UK is to audiobooks than it is to podcasting. Right. Uh, audiobooks are really, really large. Um, and, and interestingly, headphones do really badly for live radio. So actually, the, there's a whole sort of range of, you know, and if you, if you had a radio futurologist here, um, he would, I'm, I'm uh, doing a talk uh, this evening in uh, Finland. And one of the, uh, one of the um, uh, slides I'm showing is how people listen is very different on different devices. And actually, um, how people listen is also very different in terms of age group as well. You know, the biggest growth in terms of spoken word is with young people, um, which is great and really exciting. But if you look at people aged 55 plus, which none of us fit into, but if you were to look at people aged 55 plus, you would see that, um, that most of those people just listen to the radio. Uh, you know, nine out of ten uh, of their of their hours spent listening to audio, spent listening to live radio. For young people, for fifteen to to twenty fives, it's a far far smaller area. And podcasting is um, still quite small, but much much larger. So the you know real real opportunities, I I think here, and I think you know the opportunities are such that. Um, you know, making making sure that we do things and we use the technology that we have available to us in terms of podcasting to make relevant content, to make content that um, people really enjoy. It's one of the things that I'm very excited about NPR um, doing with their um, their drive time, their PM drive time uh, show, um, which um, has local news in there. So if you're listening in LA or you're listening in San Francisco or in Boston, uh, then you will uh, get the the normal podcast, but you get dynamic audio insertion in there with local news stories um, produced by the local NPR station. That's really interesting. And if there's um, if there's stuff that uh, more podcasters you know could be doing in terms of thinking about dynamic content insertion. Then you know that that to me gets um, really quite quite an exciting thing for the audience. Yeah, I mean, because the dynamic insertion technology doesn't have to be just used for ads; it can be used for content too. So, um, you know, I played around with that when I worked at at Podcast One. You know, you can insert promos, you can insert other other types of short content inside of podcasting as well. So, I think a lot of people think. Um, 
dynamic insertion and they immediately think programmatic and that's not necessarily those, the technology really isn't, um, isn't linked to a type of um, ad mm. content. And I think Brian, that's are a you key, seeing more people doing thing. that sort of thing? Right, right. On the content side? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think promos are really big. Uh, I've started. I've started asking a lot of questions recently about post roll, and uh, post roll <laughs> ads seems to uh, if people use them, yeah, you're, you'll like my article when I'm finished with it. Uh, it. If people even use them, it seems like they use it a lot for cross promotion and things like that. Additional content, mini segments from other shows, um, and I think that's really neat. I think NPR is really leading the charge with it. Um, but it, it's hard because so many of these shows that could take advantage of it or smaller networks, it takes substantially more work to then take and make bite-sized versions of it that fit into other shows appropriately. But I think I think it's going to be a big move. I think that's going to make a big impact. I'm but proud Brian, it, it's possible that a post-roll is actually a pre-roll too, you know? Right. <laughs> Wait, because it goes right that's, into the next that's one? That's a little meta there, right? It's a... I'm, I'm proud thought. to say I'm one of the few people that don't <laughs> and will not listen to NPR content. I can't stand that soft talk radio. It's just in a linear playback experience. A, a, a post roll can be perceived as a pre-roll. So, so I guess it depends on how you're looking at it. For those of you that were watching, saw me pointing at Rob. Rob got a little too close to the truth there. So I just, <laughs> to, and I'm not saying anything more than that. He's Thanks, trying to Thanks trying for pointing that out. Pot, Todd. Trying to stir the pot a little bit here. For those of you listening, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, if you so can I'm, drop a little, you know, little clues here and there, hopefully, you know, James will pick up what we're saying. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on. Um, okay. Um, yeah. So um, let's let's move move on and talk about um, some some new and old. Uh, topics and questions about the um, the issue of kind of the preservation of the open nature of podcasting and RSS, and this this raises um, a bunch of issues that I think hopefully we'll dive into in the next hour. But um, you know, it it kind of takes us from the past and moves us potentially into the future of uh, what what we might do with this medium. You know, the medium is 16 years old. Um, RSS 2.0 was established 16 years ago, and it's really not really not much has happened to it uh, since then, except for some extensions done by by Apple and a few others around namespaces. And those are basically, when I say namespace, I'm talking about um, tags for data that's included in your RSS feed. Um, and so I, I I wanted to open it up. You know, the the innovation is is something that's been kind of missing in the podcasting space. And I know Brian, you've been very outspoken about this and I know James has as well, but once you guys set the table on that, what's your perspective on that? Well, I, I kind of want to kick off with a question for those of you guys who've been around a little bit longer than sure. I have. Sure. Um, so I started looking into RSS and the, the advisory board associated to it. Right. Um, first off, the website's awful. Uh, and very not informative. And half the people that they link to, all of their personal websites and blog posts are either the website's a dead link, they haven't posted in four years, or they're not working on anything relevant. Or they're so, dead. Yeah. Oh, I guess my big question is like, does podcasting have representation in the RSS advisory board currently? I don't think there is an advisory board that's actually active at all. Really? It's by name only. I don't think it exists because... Mm -hmm. That, that train left the station a long time ago, so we're on our own. 
Yeah, when when Dave Weiner kind of left the 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 committee, the thing kind of you know stopped. Yeah, and I I think the scariest thing is is that like RSS allows so many great things for podcasts. I mean, it allows James can tomorrow create an app and start his own podcast player, and and that's really neat. And there's a lot of cool innovations we've done with just a little bit of technology, uh, but to change us to move away from RSS. We every hosting platform would have to align. It will right? in, in in I okay. We can plan for the future. Yeah, but don't hold your breath. No, no, I'm not saying that we yeah. should move away from it. I'm simply saying the amount of work that it would take to be able to move away from it would be everybody agreeing, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think we're going to be able to agree on small changes and right. and frameworks and innovations and additions, but saying, let's completely rewrite it because at what point does that not become podcast? Why well, would we emulate something like streaming? And then at that point we've lost all control. So I don't see podcasts as it is in its current form, moving away from RSS. Right. Um, I see us growing it and, and I'm absolutely trying to help unify the people that want to work together because very truthfully, I've talked to a ton of people in the space at different hosting platforms and tech companies, and they all have the same ideas. It just feels like their boss told them they can't talk to another company. They can't collaborate. So I'm trying to just bring everybody together on that because there are some cool improvements we can make that will make a big difference. We, you know, we've been already told, and maybe Rob can relate to this, is that Apple has basically said, don't break it. You know, they they basically said whatever we do, don't break what what isn't currently in place. So I think we have to keep that in mind. Yeah, I've had had talks with them about and, this and, this and topic, add right? to it in in a in a way. See what sticks, see what doesn't, and and plan for the future and start putting together the, like JSON type stuff that can be adopted over time. That will, but again, we have to be very, very careful here because everyone has a damn agenda. And we need to make sure that the agendas, the commercial agendas, don't cause the open podcasting space to become closed. So I think that some of the initiatives that are going on that both of you are very aware of are, are, is, is a good first step. Um, I think Tom said, hey, so, you know, do we want an, an eight-track player? Well, RSS is not an eight-track player. RSS is a viable, a viable technology. It's a viable um, medium that works just uh, fine. It's, it's not RSS. Go- RSS is 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 electricity. Uh, RSS is 110 <clears throat> volts. Um, uh, that that that's what RSS is. Um, the the benefit uh, that we have is that there are a bunch of people right now working on. Uh, extending and expanding the namespace, which can be done in a backwards compatible way. So it won't break Apple's uh, services and Apple has an agenda. They don't want to, to change their, their podcast app, which is dreadful for personal privacy, by the way, absolutely appalling because every single app is talking to every single RSS uh, host. So it's it's the worst thing that you can be doing if you want to have a listen to a podcast on a private basis. But ignoring that, um, when you uh, when you add a new a new namespace, that that still works with everybody. Um, and so what Adam Curry and Adam Curry's um, and Dave Jones is doing uh, is working on a whole set of new uh, of new 
uh, tags, some of which will crash and burn uh, and fail, uh, and some of which will be tremendously successful and will move uh, forward. Things like transcripts, yes, but also locations and um, you know hosts and guests and you know and all this kind of all this kind of information and um, locking shows as well so that it it shouldn't be easy in the future just to go to a podcast host type in the name of an rss feed that you want to copy and this this new podcast host copies it for you you know all of all of that stuff is all uh, being worked on and i think that's really exciting i i I'm I'm not sure necessarily that we need to turn around and say there is no future in looking at JSON. There is right. no future in looking in at other technologies. I, my my own uh, guess is that in five years' time we will have a situation where RSS is still being used for the majority of podcasts, but most podcast hosts will also be producing uh, content in other feed formats as well, um, and that should be absolutely fine. But I don't I, suppose anybody will have issues with that. I think the big thing there, James, is that if one of those other formats is better, unless everybody gets together, if Spotify says tomorrow, only do an RSS, we don't care how cool it is for JSON or all the other formats. If every host doesn't stand up and go, JSON's going to do way more for us. If even one breaks, Spotify just goes, well, if you want your show on Spotify, you got to move to that host. And and there's the rush. There's well, the the infighting. And yeah. so that's that's the area I'm a little bit nervous about and I'm trying to help fix. Let's, let's talk about that for a second because here's the reason. And for those of you that don't know, and I'm pulling the brain fire here, what's the website that they're uh Podcast, the Adam Craig group, what are they working on? Well, it's the Podcast, Podcast Index, Index Project. Yeah, Podcast Index. Right. So, so today I saw an announcement where Spotify kicked off half dozen shows because they were talking about QAnon. Now, I don't care about QAnon. I don't care. They're just talking about QAnon. But they were social media pressured to kick those shows off their service. Now, I don't know where those shows reside. I don't know where they live, but it's censorship. And you may not like the content, but is it, why did they kick it off? Because they, oh, it's disinformation. Well, disinformation to one person is information to another. But again, I'm not defending the content, but those shows more than likely have an RSS feed with a host or on their own. And guess what? They're still on the air. They're not on Spotify. So, the last thing we want to do in this space is kowtow to a company and let them dictate how the spec is going to be. So, because, yeah. because we don't, you know, the, the instance we start bending this is because they said so, then we're in big trouble. You've, but you've just you've just said, uh, Todd, that you were talking to Apple and asking them for their advice, well, uh, and and you know, and, and so and so here we are with this with this double standards that the podcast industry is very is very keen mm -hmm. at doing. Where oh, Apple, tell us what we should be doing. Oh, Spotify, you're so bad, you're so dreadful. <laughs> it's and because the they don't serve ads, that. But, and but we, we shouldn't we shouldn't be. We should. Go ahead. Well, I, I mean, you know, both are, uh, are dictating and are saying certain things. Apple has deplatformed ad, uh, Alan Alan Jones, um, not Alan Jones. I wish Alex. you would. Um, Alex, Alex Jones. Jones. Right, right. 
Alan Jones is a dreadful Australian. Um, so, so yeah, you know, uh, so so we end up with this. Uh, you know, we end up with this with this thing. RSS is is open, and if you plug an RSS feed into a proper podcast app, of which uh, Spotify and Google aren't, uh, then you can listen to any show you like, and that's great. And 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 we should keep on doing that. Um, but yeah, you know, we can't turn around and say we shouldn't be driven by Spotify when in the same breath we're saying, but, you know, Apple have said, you know, that if you break things, then we we might not. Well, you know, I mean, they just asked to be careful. They didn't dictate. Just let's be careful of the conversation here. But it up to this point. So let's let me back up. Let's go well, to 2000. There, well, let me say a little bit about what Apple said. Apple was just cautious about um, making changes to the the um, namespace that they're currently supporting in, in some of their older clients that they have. Um, that when you subscribe to a podcast, it passes that RSS feed over to your library. So it's not, this was a common thing that was done in listening platforms early on. So if you look at the iTunes software where, where an RSS feed is in the library or in a catalog, right? Mm-hmm. And then when a user subscribes to it, that RSS feed passes over to their library, which is their own personal collection. And there, that is a direct pull on the RSS feed. It doesn't come through Apple's system. And so what they don't want to do is, is change the specification of RSS too much where it will break that uh, transfer from the mm, directory to the the library, and I agree, James, that that we're living with old um, specifications. But those specifications were written on an open RSS 2.0 with a iTunes namespace extension, right? Yeah. Um, so there is uh, some hesitation on Apple's part to not break their ecosystem, right? Uh, that doesn't exclude them from taking responsibility for updating and improving their their backend operations of um, how they handle content off of RSS. But, but, but they are pure to the podcast um, RSS in their whole ecosystem right now. I, 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 well, real quick, I think that the thing that concerns me the most is that if one host breaks it, they try something new and it breaks it, Apple says, fix it or you're not going to be on there. If everybody gets together or enough people get together right. and say, this isn't a break, this is what we want it to be. Apple's not going to say, oh, uh, 50% of all podcasts aren't available on our player right now. Right. They'll fix it. And I don't think anything that's going on in those discussions is like, put it live right now. It's, right, do we totally. want this? How do we right. form it and get buy-in? And I think that that's really where the power in podcasting is going to come yep. in the next few years. Yep. It's everybody getting together and say, what do we want? Because we think of... Yeah. All these things that Spotify can do, and and James, I'll I'll give credit. I absolutely am more biased against Spotify than Apple because Spotify is selling ads. Apple isn't competing with any of us yet, and I say yet yeah, because it's you know it's what are what's their goal? Well, it's I not really that. their their business model. Advertising is is not really their core business, right? Yeah, for those, no, that, right. For those of you that are maybe a little lost, and and just I want to give everyone a little backstory because we got to remember we all know this. <clears throat> A lot right. of people that are listening here don't. In 2004, when podcasting started, it was largely basically built by indies. We built this space to the point where Apple, in June, of, June July of 2005, introduced uh, podcasting on the Apple Podcast platform, then iTunes, and innovation stopped dead in their water. It just stopped. Nothing got done. And anything that happened from 2005, literally, to 2020, any ch- major changes has been dictated, not dictated, 
Well, yeah, dictated by Apple. They've said we're going to do have this is what our tags are going to be. Here's what we've added. Here's and they've put controls on host uh, information, all kinds of different things. Right. So we we took a break as a podcasting community of owning our right. space for 15 years. Right. So what we're doing now, or what is being attempted to do now, is to try to come together with to enough control of this, right? To basically say, okay, wh- what do we need? We need a, right. we need a, a we need a, a lock tag, just like a domain name. So when you buy a domain name and someone can't steal your domain name, you lock that domain name. We want to lock a show. We don't want transcripts. We don't want. We want to know where shows' locations are. There's just a whole host of cool things that a variety of players could use. Could right. that and none of this breaks. The and none of it breaks. Standard. Right, but it's going to take you know bringing people together like Brian is proposing and and James. I agree with you 100. percent Bringing it together and agreeing um, or agreeing on a certain set of specs or a certain set yeah. of tags. And I think it's one of the reasons to, why I'm, to I'm deploy quite them. sad. Yeah, right. it's one of the reasons why I'm quite sad that uh, looking at the Podcast Index uh, website, looking at their social uh, platform, PodcastIndex.social. Um, that you know, you can see that there's a bunch of of uh, podcast hosts in there. There's Buzzsprout, uh, Fireside, mm-hmm. uh, Captivate is in there, who I advise for. There's a bunch of these people, um, but there's not, uh, you know. Uh, oh, and and of course, um, you know, Todd uh, is in there as well, and Mike from Blueberry. Um, but there's not uh, there's not all of the podcast hosts aren't no, in there, no, no. and you can and you can really see a difference between those podcast mm-hmm. hosts that are keen to move forward, and to make and to make changes, and some other podcast hosts who are on Facebook posting aggressive comments about why this is such a bad idea and why this is such a bad idea, and just and just being angry about it. You know, you know it'd be really great if if people actually got together and talked. What's funny is we put a spec out 10 years ago that has some of the same exact you did. things. It's brilliant. Yeah. That, and no one adopted it. You know why? It was blueberries. And you that's a key it thing. Because it was blueberries. So we basically said, here, have it. Take it and, and put it in this thing. It's not ours. We gave it to the community because, oh, it's blueberries. We're not going to adopt it. I can go on for an hour about things that we've tried to do to make it easier for podcasters to, I mean, listeners subscribe to Android and a whole bunch, but because Blueberry did it, it's, you can't, you can't give credit where credit's, and we didn't even try to take credit. We just said, here, take it community, run with it. And so, but that's, that's tough. Even though this group is working, it is a long hill to climb because we got to get the app developers in. We've got to start getting some of the major players to actually have a conversation. They're listening right now. Apple's listening to this. Pandora's listening to this. Google's, they listen to this show. So we know because they email us. So Mm. they're talking about this internally Uh about what's going on. They're watching this. I think it's okay not to include them in the conversation, but include them in the solution. Absolutely. And I think that you hit on something really powerful that like, Look, I you know I left Megaphone in August, and sounds profitable is just me. I'm just writing. I'm going to take this for a year or two and figure out what I can do as agnostic as possible. Because if I take that idea that you had as Blueberry, and I take it and we form it into something that is open source, 
And then we say, this initial thing was presented by Blueberry. Let's get a small group to dig into it and make it something different. And then we present it again. And we say, this was originated by Blueberry and iterated by these five people. But even still, I think credit should be given for building the foundation. But the more thing is, is that you shepherding it along is a lot of fingerprints. Someone else that can be agnostic like the podcast index, like I'm trying to do, I think will hopefully help. I'm not an engineer. I I just, yeah, I just, there are very smart people in the space who want to collaborate. And like I said, it feels like they're being limited to do that. So I'm trying to go from company to company to company and knock on their door. And if the, if the host doesn't answer, I I knock on some publisher doors because maybe then the publisher will complain on the way up. So for those of you listening to this right now, who are we doing this for? We're doing this for you. We're doing this for the indie podcaster. I call what's happening in this initiative is an insurance policy to keep podcasting open and free. So we just need to make sure that the independent podcasters know that this is being done to help you. The commercial folks may not follow. Well, and I think we have to ask the question too, is what are the dangers of us not doing this? Um, Not coming together and coming up with a, um, ways to innovate and improve and and grow. Um, my my contention is is that the proprietary platforms or the larger technology platforms will do that innovation for us and could leave the open nature of podcasting behind. I don't know. So, I don't know what do you guys think about that? I do want to read a comment in the chat. So Rob, keep that. Geez, Marcia yeah. says, I'm just afraid that there's so much denial that Spotify's change in the picture at some point we'll look around and everything will be different because Spotify changed how people listen to podcasts. Right. Remember, so people are getting wrapped around the axle about Spotify. They right. have a tiny percentage of most shows listening percentage. Only some shows have a, a, a large number of Spotify right. listeners. My audience, less than 2% listen on Spotify. So for me, Spotify is not even I, I could care less about Spotify from a from a player. Brian, Brian has written a great article this week in Sounds Profitable, um, which I'll, I'll let him talk to in a minute. I I, I just I just like um, because I look at these numbers all the time. Um, there are two numbers that are really important in terms of the podcasting market. One of them is total downloads, and that's the number that you normally see. So Apple is currently running about 60-something percent, Spotify at about 10%, um, and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Google at about 1.5%, 1.6%. But then there's the other one, which is the people using it. And people using it, for me, is far more interesting because actually total downloads is one thing, but people using it right. uh, shows what people are actually uh, doing. And those numbers from uh, from uh, PodTrack, and yes, PodTrack, but those numbers from PodTrack are a third of, of podcast listeners out there are using, pod, uh, are using Apple Podcasts, a third, and a quarter of podcast listeners out there are using Spotify. So the, the the numbers are far far closer. Um, the, the 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 question really, and and the question of what what is being what is being asked here is what, what is is Spotify out to win this? Is Spotify out to be the only place for um, where we get our podcasts? And Brian, you wrote um, you wrote a long article this week in uh, Sounds Pro- Profitable about exactly that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. All I do how to do is write long articles. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta trim them down a little bit. But yeah, I mean, 
I look, I, I think Spotify as a business is doing really cool things. And I think that they're getting podcasts and other audio formats into more people. I mean, I listen to more music because of Spotify, but at the same time, like I can look at the ecosystem that, that like supports my living, right. That supports all of our living related to hosting and tracking and serving ads and all of these different things and realize that Spotify is really set up to own that whether through exclusivity or not. I think they have uh, they have a really great set of technology, and if they start opening it up for more people than just their exclusive or uh, or owned podcasts, it's going to be real hard to compete. Um, and and then they don't need an RSS feed, and then they don't need to like their ecosystem changes to what they want because if they offer everything to you, if they host your podcast with Anchor, at some point maybe Anchor doesn't need the RSS feed to get it to Spotify, it, like like we're seeing with shows with music. You know, uh, if, if all of a sudden I can take advantage of app level identity safe, which is the future of targeting instead of mobile device IDs and, and cookies, identity is a login based piece of information that, that you're giving, you're giving consent for them to, to track you, which you do when you sign up for Spotify. If you're a small publisher and you can get your show on Spotify and Spotify's giant ad sales team is going to say, well, hey, throw a throw a few impressions on this show because it hits the contextual targeting, uh, and it's a high CPM because it's an app ad. It's going to be a hard sell for like, hey, we can do baked in, and we can tell you how many people downloaded it. And Spotify says, hey, we can tell you how many people listen. I think I think there's a yeah. I think the Spotify has is is poised to disrupt a lot. And James, you know, when we were going back and forth on the article. I kept pulling up different things that say Spotify was a different size. And I saw someone from Spotify share, um, is it Midia, M-I-D-I-A, released a report, it looks like, on the 9th. And I believe it said that Spotify overtook Apple. Um, I believe it's a survey-based report. I think that was at, outside of the U.S. Is it outside the U.S.? Yeah. So we did have, a, there is a Spotify employee in the chat room. I'm trying to scroll back and find her comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, then, who is not authorized to talk to the press no <laughs> um, so I won't mention her name during the um, I, I can't find it so someone can scroll back or repost it but I think what her uh, if, if I understood the gist of her comment was is we know that they've grown the ecosystem we've known they brought more earballs I like to call them earballs to the yeah. to the space that's no denying uh, I even have a couple of my employees that prefer to listen to podcasts on on Spotify, which is fine. It's, it's but I think there's a certain demographic that do and a certain demographic that doesn't, and that's fine as well. Um, I and, and they they have every right to sign shows and make them exclusive. We'll yeah. see how that experiment works over time. You know, Joe Budden thing was kind of an interesting. Uh, you know, you know, put yourself mm -hmm. out there and you know air your dirty laundry type of deal, but. I think we'll just see what happens over time on that. We've seen this model many, many times in podcasting over the years. And invariably, I can almost bet you the exclusive model will not work long term. Well, it's because we're seeing a, a world where people can be self-starters um, if they have content, right? Like Patreon, the example of 20000 or 30000 a month that James brought up, right? That might be like crazy high end, but there's still like, you know, house payment monies of Patreon being made every month from some of these people that could be way more than they're going to make on ads or signing exclusive. Um, and, you know, I mean, heck, newsletters, you know, me and James have a vested interest in things like that. Those are paying bills. 
So I think what's really interesting is that if these features that Spotify offered were available by every hosting platform, if the podcast players stopped for a second and pretended that it wasn't their listener and it was actually the people making the contents listeners, like I believe it should be, and shared all of that information the, and the playing field was was even, everybody would jump on it and take advantage of it. But because the option is exclusivity or tying yourself specifically to Spotify, and because so many people realize they can kind of go at it alone with podcasting, I think there will be a bunch of people who do buy into it, but I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see who holds out, who so doesn't sign up. Here's the actual comment she, she left or he left. Um, as someone who works at Spotify podcast, I'd like to remind everyone that they keep acquiring independent podcasters and listenership doesn't seem to go down when they go exclusive. <gasps> okay. I'm, I'm see surprised what by with that. Joe Rogan. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm by surprised that. by that I, too. I, I can't. I can't see how listenership wouldn't go down if you make something ex- something exclusive, even if yeah. listenership doesn't go down by much. Well, what it is, you lo- probably what happens is you lose a certain portion of your core, and you pick up the the ones that don't move over that are exclusively on Spotify. So you know, it, it probably is a, is a trade off. I would think so. You know. With as much controversy has been in the staff at Spotify complaining about Rogan and wanting to stifle him, uh, we'll see how that works out in the long run. But we've really got off the train rails here. Rob, get us yeah. back on track. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of um, hard to think that um, any exclusive deal on Spotify would <clears throat> pull in the same numbers um, if a show is not listed on Apple too, right? Well, if, uh, if Spotify is promoting it as an exclusive show, it's going to get major exposure. Yeah. Hundreds of millions of listeners. That's there. true. But I mean, how many shows are actually going to get that focus and that kind of exposure too yeah. is, is a pretty small number. Yeah. But I think that there is some risk of um, these big platforms pulling more and more content under, under exclusive deals um, uh, under their platform. And, and it, one of the things that I, I kind of wonder about too is, if there are ad um, ad packages that are um, associated with those um, those exclusive deals, um, what's the CPM on that? Um, I mean, is is Spotify going to be able to drive higher CPMs to content creators than what they can get on the outside? And I mean, the things that Todd and I have seen so far with some of the the interests of these big platforms is that that revenue split with the advertiser with the content creator is not very favorable. Um, so I just, I'm kind of a little bit dubious that, uh, very many shows are going to be successful under this exclusive model. Are you comfortable talking about the percent you've heard? Uh, well, let me just put, put to you this way. The numbers that I've heard, um, I mean, if you look at the past with host read advertising, it's usually like a 70, 30, um, some of these platforms are reversing that. So, um, which isn't necessarily all that favorable to podcasters. And I just don't think that there's going to be many shows that are going to go for that. So we'll yeah. see what happens if there's ever monetization done around shows that don't get a piece of the pie. We'll see right. if that's changed with podcasters over there. And time. that's what the whole whole issue with the with the Joe Button thing was, was he wasn't getting enough um, enough from the deal, right? Um, and it's also, I mean, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't bother to read any of the ads that you've, uh, that you've been asked to by, uh, by uh, Spotify, um, and you, and you're too stupid not to even build in a vacation time into your contract, (laughs) 
I agree with you 100%. I, mean, I, I think I think the whole the whole Joe Biden thing is is you know I mean it's it's a it's a great it's a great story for those that want to kick Spotify. Um, but I think at the end of at the end of the day, it was an it was a really early contract that Spotify made, uh, where both sides made mistakes when they were making that early contract, sure. and that's probably sure. as far as it got. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. It's you know, and in, in here's the thing: is well, I won't go, I won't turn over any more manure, Rob. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> well, and and. As we look uh, forward to, I mean, um, these paid subscription platforms um, are, I, I, I guess, are showing signs that maybe they will offer free access um, to to content um, that's in podcast form as well, and maybe that will will um, create mm-hmm. more of a, a competitive thing on the on the podcasting side at, at, as well. So, um, I don't know. Um, Brian, is there any other thoughts that you have on this um, open open RSS topic? I mean, how can people in the industry contribute to the groups that are forming um, in what you're working on? Um, I I think that the you know the podcast index is a great place to start for for that for the namespace mm-hmm. stuff. I haven't dug into RSS. They seem to be doing some really great stuff there, um, and I think it would be negligent of any technology company in the space that touches RSS feed to not at least be reading that. Right, we're all working from home. Our commute times are gone. The minimum that you can do is you can have one engineer that's interested in it spend thirty minutes a day following up on it and just being aware of it, uh, if not engaging. Um, uh, the second is that we're trying to expand the uh, open analytics, uh, uh, yeah, open podcasts analytics work group, OPOG. Uh, and so if that's something that you've, you've seen through pod news or sounds profitable, I definitely recommend reaching out, um, uh, to James directly who can get you access there. Um, uh, there's an active Slack where people are talking about different things related to analytics and, and hopefully, uh, the potential of a certification that will help people who, who can't get IAB certified. If they can't get IAB certified, then maybe they should look at their business model because I, I'm going to defend the IAB certification because we were heavily, heavily involved with the development of that, not starting in the recent effort, but we go all the way back with Libsyn and others to 2008. So yeah. Well, James, can you clarify your business model and why you're not IAB certified then? (laughs) (laughs) I think we all know um, probably. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of money. And I think it's a lot of money, but if we talk about independence and and I get it, but me, but we talk about independence and I like, this isn't in any way to say that the IAB doesn't add value. It's saying that, there could be another option that's complementary to it that helps those people out who can't get there. That having some sort of third party that might be able to affordably do it or that is, you know, open uh, could be and, a and, great uh, stepping stone for those companies. And to be really clear, um, you know, my my interest in in the Open Podcast Analytics Working Group has been because I self-host. Um, I uh, think that there is a way for all of us to work together on just the real basics, like. Is Apple Podcasts downloading my show? Is uh, Spotify downloading my show? Blah blah blah, um, and just those real uh, basic stuff of instead of each one of us keeping a list of what the user agents are, let's just m- make that open and make that available to everybody. Um, that may or may not work, um, and that's not built for 
um, telling I telling the IB to go away, although other things may be. Um, but from my point of view, that's the only interest I've got. And actually being able to sit there and to crunch my own log files has meant that I've discovered that actually RSS user agents are super, super useful in this uh, because they un, um, they unpack another 25, 30% of uh, downloads that you get where you do not know where those downloads are coming from because the only thing that the user agent says is the name of a library and that library might be Apple Core Media, it might be the Android Download Manager or, Dal or, or Dalvik and actually being able to tag those audio plays back to who grabbed the RSS is massively, massively useful. Welcome. So all of that stuff is open and yes, there are other conversations around whether or not IAB um, is the right choice for a smaller podcaster. Um, I mean, I certainly couldn't afford it, but it, it, it's of no real value to me anyway. Um, but I think, you know, just on the really basic scale of um, having 30 people keeping a user agent list is mental when you can just all work together on one of them. Uh, you know, from that point of view, that's the only reason why I'm, I, I'm, I'm involved in this. James, you know, it's about sandboxes. This is my sandbox. You can't be in my sandbox. <laughs> and I can't give you credit for having a cool sandbox. Well, let's break down let's, those walls. Let's dive in a little bit deeper on this um, DealPog uh, project and, and and just ask you guys, I mean, can you explain to us kind of how that uh, working group is operating and, and what it's uh, uh, what's the process that it's going through to come up with a, you know, a new more open recommendation um, on podcast metrics, what what's yeah. the process? So uh, you know, Mark Stedman's at the at the head of it. Mm -hmm. um, he of uh, Podient uh, or Podient, however you say it, and uh, and he uh, he has been very excited about some really cool ideas related to providing some sort of certification for hosts to track downloads, right? To be able to address and identify if people are tracking downloads correctly, do it in a self certified way, make it more accessible. Um, for everybody and complementary to IAB. But there's a lot of other things that get wrapped up into that, like the, like James said, the user agent uh, aspect. And uh, an, another great thing would be just how we store and transfer data between companies, right? You guys, Blueberry and Libsyn, you probably trade customers every now and then. I don't know if, you know, your, your export format matches exactly their export format. Uh, but you know, if there was unified in what we send over and how we send it, things like that could just clean up the process. So right now, um, I think OPOG saw a lot of success with what James was pushing with the user agent unification and getting everybody working there. Uh, and, and that's been really great. But now we're evaluating how we can build out a better framework, how we can collaborate with more people, set up a committee and everything and expand it. So I'd love to tell you that we have more, but right now it's mostly just me, me, Mark, uh, James and Evo Terra kind of poking out ideas um, and seeing where we can go from there. One thing you're going to find, the self-certification thing doesn't work. Didn't work for us. Didn't work for Libsyn. Didn't work for anybody that went through the, what is that? Yeah, it, it needs to be a third party, right? Yeah. Sorry, uh, when I sell self-certification, I mean the process is initiated by the hosting partner to a third-party solution that will automatically do it. So more automated than self-certify. Um, so it would be a system that allows you as the host uh, to set up and provide access 
Um, so you would you would say I'm ready for a certification. The process starts automatically making calls against your server uh, to download episodes in different size, and you kind of go from there. I think James is running out of battery, so he's switching phones. Is that what's <laughs> well? Then- that is exactly what's going on. I'm running out of battery on my big on my big uh, uh, laptop. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to see James double for a second here. <laughs> he kills his other one. There we go. Um, hey, Todd, yeah, if I, you could talk talk a little about the, the the whole concept of blacklists and whitelists as it relates to podcast metrics, that you know that could be something too that could save some companies some some money too. Why don't you talk well, about that a little? You know, whitelist in this day and age with the modern internet, whitelists are pretty thin. Um, and largely because they're, everyone's got a phone, everyone's got their own IP. They're not behind these big corporate infrastructures where they're coming in and you see, you know, 80 downloads from the same IP that, that just doesn't happen. You, and it, that can be borne out even in the log files by doing analysis. And that's really getting down deep in the weeds. So the whitelist stuff is really. Well, can I jump in real quick? Just just to be uh, progressive in all this, you know, a lot of people are moving towards allow lists and deny lists. And I think that's a really good thing okay. for us all to okay. get behind. That's, okay, allow lists and deny lists. So Which the, is fine. Yeah. It's fine. So the, the, the deny list, though, is extensive. You know, we, and actually, we pay. I spend, and again, it's an expense. Uh, I spend over $10,000 a year to have access to a a list that tells me basically of every IP address of every server that's out there and it doesn't cover everything. So the deny list allows you to exclude non-humans and basically be able to just kind of, without having to do a lot of work, uh, you know, to wash out all those, um, those IPs that should never be counted. Yeah, and just to be clear, just so those that don't know what we're talking about here, it's that these are bots or server requests that are not actual listeners. So, you know, all of us as hosts have to create a, a list, and that's up till now it's been generated rather organically by each uh, each host, right? Or you pay for it, right? Or you pay for it, right? Right. For us, it was just easier to pay for it than to generate it ourselves, and it gets updated every day, and mm-hmm. it's automated. So, but I think that that's a great example of something that exists outside of our ecosystem. Right. You know, there are services out there that you right. can pay that identify user agent, but they don't have podcast user agent, right? Because yeah. that's so specific to us. But that that IP list. Those are really valuable from third parties because they're getting the whole internet. They're getting a bigger breadth than we're going to see. Uh, and I'm sure there are even IPs that are in there that you just haven't touched on, right? That that just might might be in that deny list that it just they don't listen to podcasts. It's not used for that. It's a server for something else. So it's it's I think that data is worthwhile. Um, it would be neat if everybody could share it, but I don't. I think those companies wouldn't like that. <laughs> James, you, you see it already too, and the data that you collect is the you know the the massive amount of junk that you know yeah. if, if podcasters seen how much stuff was actually thrown out, they would they would question their host because it yeah I mean I think I think that there's a number of things there. I mean I think that yes, there's a lot of junk in there that you need to uh, to remove, and so having a good deny list is useful, but also knowing what the, you know, knowing particularly the RSS user agents are helpful because they at least 
help you understand where the traffic is coming from, uh, what particular apps are using that particular uh, uh, thing. Uh, and then on the other side, there's actually just making sure that the data that you have is being um, is being passed correctly. So um, trying to get uh, accurate stats for Google Podcasts as one example is really hard because Google Podcasts essentially looks like Google Chrome running on a Linux machine or on something else or on, you know, it's got about 10 different user agents. It's really difficult. And so there's actually, you know, a whole complicated set of regex um, regular expressions to work out exactly what a Google Podcasts um, uh, play is. So you've got all of that stuff in there as well. I mean, my, my um, you know, my, my thing on this is if you see an awful lot of people claiming that uh, an awful lot of uh, downloads from um, Google Chrome, for example, then what what that basically means is that your podcast host isn't doing a good enough job of working out what is um, uh, what is uh, the Google Assistant, and also what these browser plays are coming from in terms of an app. So there's all of these things like PodFriend out there, which is a great um, web-based um, podcast player. Uh, there's a bunch of those web-based podcast players out there. And if you only look at the user agent, then you'll only see that's Google Chrome or Safari. But if you use the, R the RSS user agent in there as well and stamp that audio as it comes through, then you can say without any question of a doubt, no, this is from a Google Play, uh, a Google search. This is from PodFriend. This is from, you know, Apple Podcasts playing in a browser. Um, so, you know, really useful, uh, useful uh, stuff. And um, I, I can b bore the entire world with RSS user agents. For, for and we're many, probably, many. in by the chat room, I think we might be boring everyone just a little bit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we went down the, the fairly technical route here to some degree. But I wanted to also talk a little bit about, you know, Brian, you raised this topic in one of your articles. You talked about um, streaming ad insertion versus download ad insertion and that you felt that uh, streaming is something that uh, could be coming from some, some of these bigger platforms. Uh, though today um, all the platforms are passed through, which means that uh, everybody's pretty much on download. Um, so and those downloads are coming off of the podcast hosting platforms, but why are you raising the topic that streaming ad insertion is something that we're going to see um, happen in the future. Well, Spotify is already doing it. Okay. Right. For their pass -through with Spotify though. Say that again. But most of us are on pass through with Spotify. With Spotify for the shows that are, that they own. Oh, they instead own. of filling them. Yeah, that's right. But, but okay. instead of filling them with an episode through right. dynamic ad insertion, which most of their shows are hosted on megaphone, um, they are able to identify where the ad breaks are and then the app takes over and it's a streaming app. Okay. And so my the the flag that I raised about that was that what happens when Spotify says, "Hey, well, if you list your podcast with us, if you host with us or you host on Anchor, right. well, you can set up your ads through the Spotify platform and take advantage of that." Right. So it's only shows that are hosted on Anchor is a good is Right a good now example. it's only shows that right. Spotify owns that yeah. they run themselves, but right. What uh, if you don't own the player? you can't really get into the streaming ad component of it. Mm -hmm. And Spotify is the largest player with an ad component in it. Mm -hmm. And why is this important? Yeah. 
Why is it? Because uh, a lot of the hosting companies out there focus on ad insertion as being a big product, right? We're working on taking IP address and user agent and figuring out enough about the user and then contextualization about the show to put an ad in when someone presses play. If Spotify can turn around and just say, host your podcast with us. And instead of focusing on just IP and user agent, I know the last I, I know everything this person did. I know whether their phone's in their hand or in their pocket. I know their listing habits on. Well, I know their address. I know their I credit know their, card number. Correct. I, and then I and then I legally can match that to public record. I legally can match that to other data sources they opted into. That is a a, a legal uh, identity based clo- walled garden. That is as invasive as right. Facebook can be. And instead of, or when we hear Facebook talking about like, oh, the mobile ad ID and cookie are going to kill us, they mean off of Facebook. They, right. Everything in Facebook is still super controlled. And Spotify, up for that. Yeah. and Spotify, you're finding that you can't listen to certain things on their web player anymore, or they don't count them, right? James posted something the, uh, today in Pod News that said, if you're not signed into a podcast, if you're not signed into Spotify on a web and you press play on the embedded player, it doesn't count as a play unless it's for pass through. So everybody who has the spot or does Spotify embedded player, unless their hosting company does pass through, you should really reconsider it. That's why I'm so glad that most of my listeners don't listen to the show on Spotify. <laughs> but that, but that like that streaming ad is so attractive to the people that are not in buying podcast inventory. I think some of the really intelligent advertisers who are already here are looking at really like not even ad segments, but really woven in stuff. You know, I talked to some of the guys over at Barstool and they do some really great things where it doesn't, it like the ad starts earlier than you'd expect. It's part of the content. They keep it going. They make callbacks to it. You couldn't chop it up like dynamic ad insertion. And that's the type of thing that intelligent advertisers who are looking at the, the prospect of the space are doing. But if you look at the people who are spending big on video and streaming audio and display who haven't dipped into podcasting yet, if Spotify can turn around and say to them, it's just like streaming audio, yet more information right. because we have all of it, then it's going to be a hard, it's going to be a hard fight to say, well, I track on downloads and I can target, I, I can target an ad based off of IP and user agent. Yeah. But, but then again, <clears throat> there's enough inventory out there. They don't control it all. And they don't do all the listens, you know, right. so in my, in my case, 98% of the people that listen to my show, none of my downloads or listens comes from them. So I don't have to, that I'm not impacted mm-hmm. by revenue because they, and, and matter of fact, my ads are still in the, in the content and, to play on Spotify anyway. So I'm really not yeah. affected. But Todd, Todd is the podcaster is different than Todd as the CEO of Blueberry, right? Because no, not necessarily I'm in, I'm a podcaster first. Sure, but there are podcasters on your platform, on everybody's platform, that if Spotify said hosting's free and you can use our ad tech technology uh, and we have a sales team against it, and so we're going to help make you money, a lot of people would go. You know, I, I think that there would still be people behind, but that's, that's a super compelling offer. And then but at remember, what point? But remember, they're only going to go after the people that are working with Megaphone. They're only going to go after that that's, top. That that's top. who they're going to go make exclusive to. But what happens when they just say, if you host with us, you have access to this? What happens when they stop buying content and they start just sharing tools? And then it becomes like they didn't buy Anchor just to let it sit there and become what it is right now. They're going to do something with it. So when that happens, when they open that up to other people, 
that's what's kind of scary because that means that the rest of us, while there will still be people there, are playing in a different league. And that means that those podcasters that make that switch might look and try and decide, is it worth it to continue by our selling ads in two places for my RSS feed and Spotify, or Spotify is offering me an extra 10 cents CPM if I go exclusive. And, and that's, that's if the- they offer higher CPM, that yeah. that's, that's the bigger, bigger challenge there. Um, when, when, when Spotify started, they started uh, with caching all the episodes. Uh, so when we first started working with them, they, they were caching all the episodes. Um, but they've been, they've got forced into dropping the caching and for the right reasons, they were caching right. the episodes because that would make for a better user experience because you wouldn't, you, you, because the audio would be, uh, on a fast Spotify server, it wouldn't be on some unknown podcast host somewhere. So, so they were doing it for the right reasons. It's the, well, the I fact think- that they've now done pass through. I mean, to, 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 to be honest, I would be very happy if, if I could actually say to every podcast app out there, please cache my audio. I well, do not care about downloads. I just care about numbers. <laughs> so, cache, cache my audio. Great, go for it. Need on your bandwidth bill. Well, James, yeah. um, you know, talking with <laughs> Spotify back in the early days of the the integration with them with podcasting is that the reason they were caching is because that's how their 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 infrastructure was built because that's how they yeah. handle music. So it yeah. wasn't that they were they were necessarily doing it because that was necessarily the best experience. Because truth be told, is a lot of the podcast hosts do a, do a better job of optimizing, um, and it really doesn't look or ex- the experience of listening to a download isn't really any different than listening to a stream. So as far as the yeah. listening experience. From my perspective, yeah. there's there's enough independent podcasters out there right. that um, they're not going to jump. They Most of these podcasters are very loyal to their hosting platforms. Mm-hmm. They're very loyal to their mm-hmm. support base. You know, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine going and having my show on a platform where there's 800,000 dead shows. I, I just can't even because from I, a Google perspective, from a Google perspective, it's it's a nightmare. In but, you're, but you're already there. You're already there on a platform with eight hundred thousand dead shows. It's called Apple Podcasts. It's got eight hundred thousand dead no. dead shows on it. I mean, the the issue really is 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 where would you move in terms of um, in terms of uh, of uh, hosting. And is the Libsyns, the blueberries of this world, offering the best experience um, to a, an independent podcaster? And the answer is absolutely yes, they are. Until that point where Spotify turns around and says, "But you can get money over here, and yeah. it's free." And, and we, then what happens? Well, they're already doing that, right? But they, but we right. need to like one of the things that James said was the the age group, right? That's listening to more podcasts. The younger age group is listening to it. Mm. Take a take a beat from streaming. Right. Watch Twitch versus YouTube versus Mixer. Watch Mixer. Right. Didn't Mixer fold Microsoft streaming product? Like people chase the revenue. People chase that reputation, that blue check mark, all of those things. They're working on being influencers. They're working on making money off of Instagram and Twitter and every avenue they can. And so while there are people who have treat this as a craft and are going to be loyal to their platform, 
And I think that that honestly makes podcasting super unique and honestly mm. will, will, will make this a, a different landscape. There are a bunch of people out there who, you know, record their friends playing Dungeons and Dragons and then are just like, whoa, wait, I can make $25 an episode. Like that covers, like, wh- what does it matter? What platform I'm on? Let's do that. Right. Right. We'll see. Yeah. But there's there's also going to be a lot of shows out there that don't care about monetization. That's right. um, yeah. And, yeah, and that's 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 the backbone of this medium. That's a fact, right? I so, agree. Yeah, yeah, and and actually, actually, that's a very good thing because that that means that no one platform is really going to be able to take it over um, and 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 totally dominate it. I don't believe anyway. Um, as long, and this is a big caveat, as long as we can keep the RSS spec open and and, and accessible to everyone and it doesn't start yeah. getting proprietary. Yeah. Yeah, completely. So, I do want to mention we had a comment earlier. Uh, one of the ladies that were watching kind of made a comment about the panel. Uh, I do want to reiterate that we did send invitations uh, to multiple folks to uh, in, have some more diversity in the panel this go around. And uh, we, we had a number of people that declined because of either their schedule or the time of the program. So we did try to have a more diverse panel just so the so we're clear, so someone knows. Basically, I just want to re-mention that because I saw it come up in the chat. Yeah, and we had a very specific um, uh, goal with the, the content of this episode too. So and, and bringing in these two, two, two gentlemen was key to making sure that that we covered that topic in a, in the best way possible in, in the industry to help the industry move forward and ha- have an understanding of these, these issues. So, um, but yeah, I, I tried to, to, to bring on a few more people in here to add a different kind of different perspective on this. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't work out, but I'm, I'm really glad that we got Brian and James here to, to help share and, and, and elaborate on these very important topics. I believe to the medium. So, so we've got about 12 minutes left, Rob, uh, anything else in your list or can we, uh, freewheel it here? Yeah, let's, let, let's go ahead and freewheel it a little bit. Todd. So I guess, you know, from my perspective is, and I'll bring it back to what we started with earlier in the show, where, where do we go from here? You know, the podcasting space is 16 years old. Uh, we're, you know, it's almost like we've just taken the training wheels off. We're like, now we're, we're starting to kick it a little bit here. Um, we're on the BMX or whatever it may be. What, where, where, where do we go? There's an open question. (laughs) Just throwing that one over. I mean, on the ad side, I think there's a lot of cool things that we can do. And I want to see people do more with the content. Um, I think that, you know, treating it dynamic ad insertions, dynamic content insertion could be really neat. I think that, you know, anywhere from 30 seconds to, to, you know, 120 seconds is a lot of time to work with for all of you out there that are creators that are telling these amazing stories. So don't treat the ad like an ad. Mm-hmm. Make it your own, you know, do mm-hmm. something cool and unique with it. And then advertisers play around too, or, or let go a little bit more. Right. Trust the people in the space that you want to be behind. Don't just whitewash everything that you're doing so that it fits with your overall brand image. Try and understand podcasting uh, and give it a shot or or pass over the reins to someone who knows more about it because I think it is different for now. Um, and I think that the world will continue to try and make it the same as a lot of other areas, but I 
it's got a lot of soul in it. Like rich media wasn't cool. Like mobile apps and banners and stuff like that was not uh, like a brag worthy thing to talk about that I was involved in. And it was get the data, get the click. Is the click legit? I don't know. Ask moat in, in podcasting. It's an experience, right? It's brag worthy to say people don't skip your ads. It's I think there's a lot we can do with content there. And then the other thing is, is just unification. I think that, you know, Todd mentioned it earlier. Um, None of these ideas are new. It's just people pushed back because they came from someone they didn't want to hear from. Um, And so maybe people like me and then, uh, you know, not even close to put myself in the same category, Adam uh, Curry with Podcast Index can help, can sit kind of in that middle space. And, and just say like, Hey, let's, you know, let's, let's try this idea. Let's all collaborate on it. What don't you like about it? What do you like about it? How do we all agree? I've, I've come to the conclusion that media buyers will never realize the value in going wide. And when I, and I say that it, it, it harkens back to the early days when we'd have five, six, 800 shows on a single, a single advertising campaign. And we would deliver 4,000 ad spots over 30 days and have incredible results. And then the big shows showed up and they went from having 4,000 spots to buying 10 shows and having 40 and not getting the same return mm-hmm. and complaining about it. And, I, and I, I, I'm waiting for that media buyer that I worked with in 2005 and 2006 to be the executive of a company and say, hey, I remember when we bought 800 shows, why are we buying 10? And, uh, and, and, but, you know, maybe that person doesn't exist anymore. Maybe they've been browbeat so bad that, and moved on to a different genre that, that, that that's not going to come back. So I've made my own determination that they're not coming back and we have to figure out a way to make sure that we can help these small. Yeah. But I think, I think, I think the world of radio, uh, has some learnings here as well. Um, when I started working in radio in the UK in the late 1980s, there were lots and lots of different companies. And if you wanted to buy a national ad campaign for McDonald's or for whoever, um, then you would have to talk to all of these individual radio companies and make all of those decisions and all of those, um, uh, you know, ad buys and everything else. Um, and that's fine, but that's an awful lot of, awful lot of hard work. Um, now, UK radio is at a point where there are three radio broadcasters who you go and talk to, three commercial radio broadcasters. You talk to Global, you talk to Bauer, you talk to Wireless Group, and that's basically it. And you've reached 95% of all of radio. And so why would you bother talking, talking to anyone else? I think what I'm um, what I'm keen in is seeing that those podcasters who are small, who are not represented, who are not um, exclusives with uh, Spotify, who are not represented by you know Blueberry or Libsyn, are able to actually be in that ad buy somehow. And I, and to me, it seems that the only um, the only way that that can happen is um, to look at technology, to look at programmatic ad buying, to look at uh, making it easy for the ad buyer to, to do that buying 600 shows or 6,000 shows. Because mm-hmm. uh, that, that to me would be really cool. You know, the Google AdSense for podcasting or however we, however we call it, you know, that would be a great step forward. And I don't think we're at a position where we have that. 
James, we used to do it. <laughs> that's the crazy part it's built <laughs> you know it's just the media buyers have a different did, did 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 you were you yeah i, I mean and I, and I wonder whether the question is if you were to do that now whether that would be a different conversation to if you would if you were doing that five ten years ago i mean you know when i when i was doing uh, when i was running one of the most successful podcasts in the uk in 2007 even then, no one would really have bought uh, very much advertising in there um, because podcasting was so small and so nascent. I wonder if 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 this was to be relaunched now as a as a big thing that covered um, you know a whole bunch of different of different organisations that that would be you know that that would be as uh, more successful now than perhaps it might have been ten years ago. I think it would, especially with the model of doing host endorsed and, you know, it's definitely not, it's a full-time job to run campaigns like that. And that's what we did. But I think what we've, what we had, and I've said this many, many times on this show is when the big shows showed up, the money rolled up and it's never rolled back down. And uh, so you have, as someone said, uh, what was the statistic that only 15% of shows are getting monetized? Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. That was, and then you have that, that was a Podcorn number, and I, I don't, and Podcorn, of course, are one of the people trying trying to fix all of this. And I, frankly, I think that that number is is actually, you know, to um, I, I think it's probably ninety five percent aren't monetized, right? Um, but but you know, whatever that number is, yeah, absolutely. You know, the monetization side is very small in comparison to why people get into yeah. podcasting. And considering 65% don't want ads anyway, or don't right. care. I don't know. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about that. <laughs> well, and a lot of the, the, the programmatic ad buying platforms um, that have some integration in with hosts like a Spreaker or whatever, uh, I think that's what was trying to be accomplished there is trying to scale across large numbers of shows. Hmm. The, the problem gets back to is the ad creative. Um, and that, that is another part of this that, doesn't get talked about enough is how that ad creative needs to be, you know, evolved and improved. And I do believe that the ads, the, the ad agencies know about this issue. And And I don't want to, I want to hold off here. We got three minutes left. I don't know if, uh, if podcast movement is going to shut us off or not in three minutes. So James, Brian, why don't you give your shout outs where they can find you? Brian, you go first. Okay, yeah. Uh, So first off, I'm on the Podcast Movement website. Please reach out. Love to talk to more people. I've been behind a desk too long. It's only been a few months doing this. You can find me at soundsprofitable.com. So send me a message you know, on Podcast Movement. Go to the website, read an article, shoot me an email. I'd love to talk to more people. James? Uh, And uh, I'm podnews.net. You should sign up. It's free and it's very good. And both Blueberry and Lipsyn are proud supporters of that. So thank you. Rob? Uh, I can be found on Twitter um, at Rob Greenlee and I'm at robgreenlee.com. And you can certainly send me an email at robg at lipson.com. I'm Todd at blueberry.com or at geek news on Twitter. We want to encourage all of you that have been hanging out with us for the first time to go over new to over newmediashow.com. Hit that subscribe button. We want you to subscribe to the podcast. We generally do do about two shows a week. Uh, I was off for about a week and a half, so we haven't any new shows in about 10 days, but uh, we're back on schedule. Um, definitely, we do this twice a week, hour and a half. 90 minutes is the normal length of the show. 
Rob and I often freewheel it. We come in with absolutely no preparation, except maybe we have a topic or two we want to talk about. So uh, we have fun. If you have secrets, information you want to share with us, you can always email it where we text you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I and CC uh, James too, right? <laughs> we want to thank Dan and the podcast movement team for letting us take these two hours thank tonight you, and be on their platform and, and share a message. And we hope that you've got stuff out of the show today. We definitely appreciate it very, very much. Yeah. Um, and if you like the thing, make sure you, you rate this event in the pod show. Thanks. So Dan will invite us back again at another time. But uh, thank you so much for everyone, all the great comments that came in. If there was any questions we didn't get to, we'll try to follow up in the, in the swap card. But uh, I, we've got about 30 seconds. Everyone, thanks for being here and, and thanks for watching New Media Show. And thanks to all of you that, you know, for both you and uh, James and Brian that came on today. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having thanks. us. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Rob and Todd. Thank and you. And if this works, you'll see the New Media Show logo pop up and then we'll be gone. So everyone, see you later. Bye-bye. Oh, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs>